Hello and welcome to Crosstalk, following Jesus together. We are concluding our first season with a multi-part series on technology in the Christian life. This episode will be part two of that multi-part series. Well, it would almost seem that uh, there could be a perspective shift for some of us. We may see ourselves as Christians within today's culture, meaning we operate within today's uh, American culture, the technology culture, the social media culture that we live that surrounds us. We could try to dwell in that culture as a Christian. But there's at least a tension that I hear in some of your comments that would drive me to consider more being a Christian, living in a Christian subculture, and then participating in technology or not, but not having the technology, not having the social media being the driving factor of what I do, but rather having my Christian worldview, if I could dare say that, uh, drive my decisions to use or not use technology. Yeah, and I think the the tension is how do you do that well? And just kind of shooting from the hip here, one of my first responses would be, one, uh, realize the world is not equal and even. Uh, and by that, I mean there are some folks who can probably use technology in a way that is helpful that you might not be able to. Um, I think, ironically, that's, that's perhaps one of the other lies of technology is that everyone has the same access and they can all do the same thing. No, that's not true. Just like some folks are good reporters and some aren't. Some are good writers and some aren't. Well, some folks might be very adept, adept um, just by their God-given skills um, to, to use technology well. Others, like anything else, might struggle to do that. So I'd say if you, you need to discern where you land on that and if it's something that can change, maybe with, with some wisdom um, or not. And uh, if, if you're the sort who might be tempted to use it poorly, my question for you would be, okay, what do you need to minimize? What do you need to give up in order to be more faithful? If you're the sort who perhaps um, could really use this well, you um, this might be some folks who would be called digital natives, but I don't think that's only true. Um, I know some of you out there, maybe some of you listening are, you know, you didn't grow up with a smartphone and you're you know, you could be my grandparent and you might use social media. Great. Um, To you, I would say, okay, you have an opportunity that might be a bit rare in this world. How can you use whatever skills you have been given by the Lord in a way that would, one, uh, clearly say something true about Jesus Um, Either in your, it could just be the attitude that you have when you engage, or it could be the actual words you use. And then number two, how can you help someone else to do that well, right? Almost a, uh, can you help like a, a digital mentoring? And by that, I mean, help mentor others to engage with this digital world well, um, because one of our dangers, and one thing I don't want you to take away from this podcast is, 
oh, technology can be dangerous spiritually. Uh, the right Christian response is to, you know, let's burn all of our gadgets and go live in a forest somewhere and, you know, completely disengage. Um, that I don't think is any more faithful than the opposite of just uncritically, oh, yeah, it's great. We'll use it for everything. Um, neither extreme is helpful. You know, Dave, um, one thing that you know, we've been hearing from me a lot, and yet you have had a presence online, well, I suppose we could say for decades now at this point. Um, obviously, you've had to navigate a lot of these waters. Tell us in a brief sketch, maybe a little bit of your own story, how you came to be the, uh, the internet giant that you are. And then maybe a lesson or two, positive or negative, that you've learned on the way. Uh, when I was about 16, I got my first home computer. It was a small Commodore 64. I played games on it. Loved it. Um, went to WIT to learn how to program. And early on in the AOL, you've got mail days. Oh, man, I remember those That's days. my first real... Uh, interaction with what I would call the internet. I know that wasn't the internet. That was just AOL. But um, there were there were things going on in my extended married family's life that pushed me to do a lot of reading and research about theology, about Christian apologetics, about how to respond to uh, other belief systems. And that initiated um, efforts that have continued with varying degrees of involvement and success uh, with trying to at least publish some sort of a Christian presence, whether it was through a website, which I've had several, or through my use of social media or other things like that. Uh, and in my... Um, community college years, I went in for computer programming. I was a com I was a programmer, got hired as that. I've continued in that career. I don't program anymore. I manage, uh, but I've always had a. I've never been. Uh, I've never been a good grease monkey. I've never been good with a wrench. I'm terrible with a saw. I don't know the good end from the bad end of a hammer, but I can see potential uses for technology and I feel like I can learn them. So I have tried to do that well. Uh, it's been frustrating at times. One of, one of the great things about the internet is, is it allowed a voice for every man. Every man became his own publisher and that allowed uh, research into uh, other religions, uh, uh, Christian apologetics, and writing about it in ways that could never be published by amateurs in the past. Uh, that was um, that 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 was a a life changing insight at the time. And that was massive. It was massive. I mean, before the internet, it's you've got to find someone to publish you, or put you on a radio, or at least to take your homemade typewritten flyers. But with all the promise that that brought, 
and there are benefits from it. You can provide helpful input to people who are struggling in their religious life and point them to Jesus. It is possible. However, over time, one of the lessons that I've learned is my real lasting impact is on my family and my local church. As much, and I'm, I'm, as, I'm as close to what you would say a digital native is for my age range as anybody uh, as old as I am. I'm 56 this year. I've been, uh, I was in AOL, uh, that would have been, I graduated in 84, I got hired in 86, and I would have been uh, on AOL prior to 90. Wow, that's early. Um, so that's, a, and that's then, very and then early. Shortly after that, um, when I found out you could have your own website, I had my own website, not on AOL, but my own. I built my own. Um, but those things are helpful and can be used by the Lord, but they do not replace the impact of friendships, of physical friendships that we have together. Uh, the, the impact that you can have, just like uh, you stated, you know, the medium is the message. Well, when you're interacting with people through bulletin boards and discussion boards and things like that, sure, you can make a great point and you can go for the jugular and really uh, pound them down in the ground as far as your opinion of their position. But you don't win the person. You really do not win the person that way. Uh, and I, I'm not... I'm not so naive in understanding how evangelism works that I just think the only success is winning the battle or getting the convert. Uh, the Lord uses us all in various uh, stages of, uh, of someone's journey into the faith. And you don't know what role you play. You might be plowing the ground. You may be weeding it. You might be planting, watering. There's, there's all these different farm illustrations, farming illustrations about how the Christian faith works. And you don't know what role you play. So it doesn't have to only be, did I convince that person to leave that religion? I never wanted to be just the guy that says, I want to tear this down. I really wanted to offer them Christ in a true and real sense which you do to the best of your ability through your writing or your speaking or your one-on-one -on -one ministry with people. But it's, it is very hard to do when it's a remote, distant relationship. And really, uh, there's no accountability. There's no interaction. There's, it's so easy for people to just knock it off the shelf and never look at it again. But when you're with someone a friend, an acquaintance, someone you invite into your home, you have conversations with. There's just a different kind of interaction that appears to me to be more helpful in general, more enduring uh, in its impact upon them. Uh, it's easier to show, well, can I say it that way? It's easier to show a kind and gentle response in a physical presence and how you're interacting with somebody than it is through what you write. 
you know, you lose all the the eye contact, the tone. Um, you can't tell if someone, you know, are, are they saying it with a smile or a frown? Um, which are, you know, all those problems are true even back in the days of, of letter writing. Um, but one of the challenges of the internet is it sped all that up. You know, so as in the 1700s, when you're writing your letter, I mean, you're pouring over every word choice because you don't want it to be misunderstood. And if it is, it might be several weeks before you get your reply. Whereas online, um, we're, we're not being trained, generally, um, to respond with well-considered thoughts. Um, and so what I hear from you is saying, hey, there, there is a time for these sort of apologetic, this is true, this is not true, here's the 27 reasons why, but that must also always be coupled with persuasiveness, that we're, we're, we're not just trying to say you're wrong and here's why, which is, by the way, what our whole world seems to want to say right now. Instead, as Christians, if I'm hearing you right, we're trying to say that's wrong, but brother or sister, here's what's good and true and right, and here's why. Here's, here's what I want for you. The, the best defense for Christianity is Jesus. Amen. The, the person that Christ was and is, is the single differentiating marker for the true and living God. I can win. I, I, we, you can talk about logic all you want. You can talk about um, logical fallacies. You can point out errors in argumentation, all those kind of things. And you could be right on the money. But until you get to who Jesus is in a factual, real, relational way, those are those other discussions are just dead facts. Mm -hmm. Now, all truth is God's truth, yes, but you must be connected to the living God through Christ. And our <clears throat> our current culture tries to mold us into uh, culture warriors, where we win a battle by pi piling the facts higher than the other guy. But I, I, am un, I am sure that is not the most faithful Christian witness that we can provide. You know, as you say that, um, I was just thinking through the Gospels and what we see of how Jesus argues, and I'm trying to remember, I, at least it's not coming to mind, um, that we, we don't really ever see Christ do the, I'm going to pile on and drown you with 10,000 reasons why you're wrong. Boom, there, now go deal with it. Um, we don't see him arguing that way. Instead, there, it's very persuasive. And even when there's a some sort of factual thing, usually when he's talking to the, you know, I think of the, the Sadducees with the resurrection, for example, one of my favorite passages, um, he usually only brings up maybe one crucial, vital biblical point. And then his whole argument is related to that. Even if there's 
you know, probably 20 other things going on that are wrong that he could address. Jesus is a master at just zeroing in and saying, okay, let's talk about this one. You know, let's not get distracted by all the side trails. What about this here? And I think that that laser focus is helpful. I think it's helpful in our evangelism. Uh, frankly, I think it's helpful in our discipleship too. Um, it's a brilliant thing to, to watch. How does Jesus argue? Um, it's never attacking the, the messenger. It's never a personal attack. Um, it's, it's just very different than most of what we see. And many times the people that Jesus is encountering and interacting with are, by definition, they are hostile to his true message that he's trying to deliver. And yet he does not, yeah, he doesn't beat him over the head with it, but he still engages. Yeah. It's very interesting how he does that. You know, just for a little bit of background, um, it's interesting that, you know, Dave, you're very much invested in um, what I might call the, the social media technology um, culture. And I say that not in any bad way at all, you know, but it's it's fascinating that I was going to say at your age, as if you're <laughs> not that you're all that old, but um, just the, the older guy here is the one who, you know, you're engaged, you've got a website, you're you're on social media, you know, this even this podcast was your idea and you do it well. Um, and I think, you know, to go back to what we spoke about earlier about, you know, for, for some folks, there might be a real talent or skill, even dare we say a calling in this direction, but not for everyone. And I would say, you know, just for those of you listening, you know, Dave is great at that. I am not. And so if you want a little bit of, of maybe context to help you with this conversation, it would be, yes, I have a lot of experience with technology. And it's because of that that I've realized I don't always engage with it all that well. So um, how does that apply to you, the listener? Well, for example, it means, you know, if you come to me and say, okay, Kevin, let's talk about Facebook. How should I use it or not? Notice almost all of my answers are going to be um, very doubtful answers. You know, hey, I'm not sure it's helpful in this way. Here's the danger. Here's the problem. Here's the, and that's coming from my personal experience. It's coming from my background. Um, I was on Facebook back when it was university only. So I actually have a long history with Facebook. Um, but not now. And that's because I don't see it as a, as a place where I personally engage well. Now, if you would come to, to Dave, and actually, let's just do that. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but hey, Dave, you know, as I look around on Facebook, everyone's angry and all this. You don't do that. What, what's going through your head with Christians and Facebook and how can we do that well? And folks, before he answers, I want you to hear his response is going to be very different than mine. It's probably going to be a lot more positive too. <laughs> At some level, I am aware of the way the algorithms can try to feed my fire. 
the algorithms inside Facebook <clears throat> and or other social media. There's, there are, there are, there is code behind the scenes that is seeking to populate my input, what I read from social media to suit what, what my behaviors, the pages I linger over, the news posts that I read, uh, all of those things are captured and analyzed. And then there's a feedback loop that occurs within the algorithms of all social media, which is designed to amplify, uh, uh, validate you, amplify your opinions, get you to engage, make you angry. I see that in, in news reporting anymore, all kinds of media outlets uh, there. It, it would seem at first blush, just by looking at them from a detached perspective, their main goal is to make you angry. That's how they increase your engagement. Yeah, that engagement, um, just to kind of jump in here, is the more time that you spend on the website or scrolling through the, uh, the Facebook or Twitter infinite feed, the more ads you'll be shown, the more revenue it will make for whichever corporation's website you're on. So that's the goal. That's the business model. Um, and keeping that in mind of the business model is not to inform you, it's to make money. Now, Dave, if, if that's true, and there's recent testimony from Facebook saying at least that's exactly what they're doing, what, what do you do about that? I mean, okay, we can know that's true. And we've said that the, the proper response isn't necessarily to just all Christians should boycott the internet. You haven't, and we, and we trust you. How do you square that circle? What, where, where do you land with all this? Knowing that the desire of the business model is to increase my engagement by increasing my anger, I make ex explicit decisions to not engage those kind of things, uh, to walk away from the news feed, and part of it is just simply to try to to try to demonstrate a positive attitude in my humanity, not as a consumer, but as a human being. Um, I don't want to make it sound like I understand all this. I don't. But... Um, there is so much adversarial interaction in our world, and it seems like everything is designed to pour gasoline on it and light it on fire. Dumpster fires of every kind abound everywhere you turn on the Internet. So there's, there's no one in the world that is going to say, you know, my life really isn't complete unless Dave picks a fight with everybody that he knows. There's just no one waiting for that. You're not, uh, you're not the Joker from Batman. You just want to watch the world burn. I, I do not want to watch the world burn. Oh, good. Uh, it, it, has, it has been, uh, did, do I love a theological dust-up? When I was younger, yeah. That, this whole win the argument, pile the mountain of facts higher than the other. I got more Bible verses than you do. I win. Yeah, that's the way I interacted. And, and to my shame, really, when I look back on it, because it did not have... Uh, a helpful, 
impact on the people that I was trying to help. It just felt more like uh, digital bullying or just, uh, uh, you know, fisticuffs in the, in the alleyway, in the digital alleyway. It, nothing was, no one won a belt. No one won the world champion belt out of it. You just went and had a dust up and then you go your separate ways. You go back to your own tribe and you, you tout how good you did and that you won the, won the fight. It's like a sporting match or something. Mm-hmm. It's a lot like Fight Club. Fight Club, although I never saw the movie, so I don't really know what it's about. Being being aware that the business model behind social media is not about fostering friendship. It is about engagement with the platform and making money. Tempers my enthusiasm for the uh, whatever social media platform we're talking about. Uh, we don't want to just single out anyone. There's so many different now, and many of them I'm not even connected with. They're very popular with uh, even younger, well, everybody's younger than me now. All the people that are younger than me on the Internet now are doing a lot of different things. Facebook is for old people now. That's that's where parents and grandparents hang out now. The kids are on to something new. Uh, but but being aware that the algorithms, the the because I've been a programmer for so long, I can see how they would gain insight by mining the data of a person's interests and then amplifying their opinions back to themselves. And I don't need my opinions amplified. I need to look at people as real human beings. Thank you for listening to Crosstalk, following Jesus together. You can find us on all major podcast directories, or on our website at freechurch.us.